One time, uh, Michelle and I had an appointment about a financial matter. And we went to sit down at this meeting, and we were anticipating a meeting with the main guy. And partway through that meeting, we realized that we weren't going to be able to work with the main guy. Instead, we were going to be handed off to their assistant, who was a very capable person, but you couldn't help but feel like you were getting handed off to a subordinate because, like, our matters weren't quite as lofty and as important, you know, didn't warrant this individual's time. And so we got handed off to the assistant, I wonder if sometimes that's how we feel when we think about the Holy Spirit, like, you know, we're being handed off to the assistant. But that's just not the case. You know, Jesus tells his followers that he's leaving them uh, under the care and guidance of the Holy Spirit. He told them this in, in, in the Gospel of John, and this is true for us today, that we have been left under the care and the guidance of the Holy Spirit. But it's not as if we're being left under the care of a subordinate, because again, the Holy Spirit is God. Rather, the Holy Spirit is God's continuing presence with Jesus' followers. You know, we, the, we have not been left alone to figure it out, or we have not been left with somebody who's just in training, that they're, they're learning on the job, but we've been left with God himself, that God himself has come to be with us, to help us, and to be with us as we figure out what does it mean to follow Jesus. See, God is so committed to us, that he promises to be with us, and the Holy Spirit is God with us in our day-to-day lives. And the interesting thing about God's presence with us through the Holy Spirit is that that started to happen before we were even aware of the things of God. That the Holy Spirit is at work in our lives long before we ever said yes to Jesus in the first place. That the Holy Spirit is, is God at work in us, making it so that we can hear, you know, the message of Jesus. That we become aware and, and start having that inkling in our hearts and in our minds that maybe, maybe there's something about this Jesus message that, that we should be paying attention to. And the Holy Spirit is the one that enables us to say yes when the time comes. You know, often we, we might find ourselves in the trap of thinking that, you know, we have to get our acts together and we have to take the first step and God is waiting for us to take the first step. But that's not how it works. God has taken the first step towards us every single time with the Holy Spirit coming and preparing us to say yes to Jesus before we, we were even aware of Jesus in our lives. God's been at work in us all along. We just didn't know it. You know, one of the struggles that children can have is in their use of grammar when it comes to referring to people. In our house, it sometimes sounds like, you know, the kid's talking about their teacher by calling our teacher it. You know, it said we needed to do math today. Now, as parents, we know it's not grammatically correct, and we also, you know, as adults, you're like, it's slightly dehumanizing, like, to call another person an, an it, but as a child, it's an, it's an honest mistake as they're trying to learn, how do I talk about people and I talk to people? You know, unfortunately, I think that many of us are kind of like children in how we relate to and understand the Holy Spirit, which brings us to our next point this morning, is that the Holy Spirit is a person, not an it. The Holy Spirit is a person, not an it. And the reason why this is important is that we need to keep in mind that, that the Spirit is not a random power or a random thing. And when we use a word like it to refer to the Spirit, we can start to find ourselves thinking about how the Spirit's power is something that we can handle, that we can take and use for our own purposes. But that would be a misunderstanding of the Spirit and the Spirit's role in our lives. 
Let's read what Jesus says in John chapter 14 about the Holy Spirit. He's talking to his disciples. If you love me, keep my commands, and I will ask the Father, and he will give you another advocate to help you and to be with you forever, the Spirit of truth. He's talking about the Holy Spirit. The world cannot accept him because it neither sees him nor knows him, but you know him, for he lives with you and will be in you. And as Jesus is describing the Holy Spirit to his followers, Jesus repeatedly is using personal pronouns to do so. And and by doing this, he's inviting us, he's inviting his his followers to enter into into a relationship with the Holy Spirit. And this should really caution us from thinking about the Holy Spirit as, as sort of like a, ran, a power that's just kind of floating out there that we can harness for ourselves. And actually, that was something that was true in the book of Acts, where there were people who saw the Holy Spirit at work, and they walked up to the apostles, and they say, we want that, how much? Because they saw that, and they wanted it. Rather, the Holy Spirit is a person who has personal relationships with followers of Jesus and as well as with the Father and the Son. The Holy Spirit has personal relationships. Now, while this passage in in John uh, 14 uses masculine pronouns to refer to the Holy Spirit, I really do want to caution us from thinking that the Holy Spirit has a specific gender or is exclusively male. Because if we decided to go and do a deep dive into the grammar of the Bible, and don't worry, we're not going to do that because that's out of my depth too, uh, we would find that, that various gendered pronouns are used to refer to the Holy Spirit. In the Old Testament, in Hebrew, it tends to use feminine pronouns. Other times, like we just read here, it's masculine pronouns, and still other times they're, they're, they're neutral. And in this is actually something kind of beautiful. That regardless of gender, we have somebody, an advocate who is like us. That people have looked to and identified and said, they're like me, regardless of gender. But all this is to say is that as we look to understand the personhood of, of, of the Holy Spirit that we are, and seek to engage the personhood of the Holy Spirit, we're, we shouldn't get stuck in the precision of identifying the specific gender of the Spirit. Now, one of the struggles that we can have with understanding the Holy Spirit is the fact that it's kind of ambiguous. The notion of a spirit's ambiguous. And especially when we look at the other parts of the Trinity, the other persons of the Trinity, when you have God the Father. You know, when we say God the Father, we we can all come up with a mental picture of what a father looks like. Whether it's a good example or not, we can picture a human father. When it comes to God the Son, we have uh, four biographies that tell us about Jesus. It talks to us about how Jesus, you know, he had friends, he, he rested, he, he had conversations, you know, he had children that he interacted with, he ate, he was hungry, he drank, he was when he was thirsty. Like, we can see this, right? And so we can create a picture of Jesus. But the Holy Spirit's a whole lot harder. And so because of that, it can be easy to depersonalize the Holy Spirit, But we ought to keep in mind that the Holy Spirit is a relational being that connects with us on a relational level. And we're going to unpack the personality of the Holy Spirit in just a few moments. But what this means is that as followers of Jesus, we are invited to know and be known by the Holy Spirit. That is, to know and know, known by God. That we see the good things that God is growing in us as things that the Holy Spirit is bringing about in our lives because the Holy Spirit cares about us. Because the Holy Spirit has, a, has an interest in who we are and what we are about and wants to see us succeed. You know, we do not worship an impersonal God, 
Rather, the Spirit reminds us that God is with us and that God cares for us as individuals. A few years ago, before I, we came to West Heights, I was a youth pastor, and I remember having a conversation with one of our students who said, Josh, you don't really care about me. You have to be here. It's a wonderful comment to hear. Uh, in a sense, they weren't, they weren't totally wrong. You know, the reason why I was placed into that person's life, why I was in that circumstance, was it was my job. I was the youth pastor. This is where I was supposed to be, and this is the people I was supposed to be with. But... At the same time, what was informing my interactions with that student in that moment was not my job description. There was nothing in my job description that was leading me to interact with that student in a particular way. Instead, what was informing my interactions with that student were, was, who I was who I am as a person and what the situation was that I was facing in that moment. And in a strange way, I think that this, might, this brings us to our third point this morning in that the Holy Spirit has their own personality. And what we mean by this is that, you know, the Holy Spirit has her own mind, has her own emotions, has her own will. Yeah, the Holy Spirit is in agreement with the, the purposes of, of God, the purposes of, of God the Father and God the Son. They, have, uh, they are united in their purpose, and yet the Holy Spirit is acting in ways that reflects her personality and the interactions that she has with us as individuals. You know, one of the things that's talked about in Romans 8, and Romans 8 has got so much good stuff in it, but one of the things that's talked about in Romans 8 is how the Holy Spirit has her own mind. And that as followers of Jesus, we are to be seeking to have our minds line up with the mind of the Spirit. And then it goes on to talk about how the Holy Spirit prays for us. And in particular, we read these verses. In the same way, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. We do not know what we ought to pray for, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us through wordless groans. And he who searches our hearts knows the mind of the Spirit because the Spirit intercedes for God's people in accordance with the will of God. And in Ephesians chapter 4, we read about the transformation that's to happen in the lives of followers of Jesus, that it's to happen in our lives. Um, and we are told that we are to be careful to not grieve the Holy Spirit. Don't make the spirit sad. And the reason for this grief is not that the spirit's emotional or overly sensitive, but that the spirit is so invested in each one of us that, when, that it hurts when we don't do what we ought to do. It hurts when we're going in the wrong direction. And in 1 Corinthians, we read about how the spirit gives gifts based on her own assessment of what is needed. All of these are the work of one and the same spirit, and he distributes them to each one just as he determines. And all of this points us in the direction of what the Spirit is like, who the Spirit is, and what the Spirit is about. That the Spirit has personality, the Spirit has emotion, that the, that the Spirit has a will. And while they're in alignment with who God is and what God's big purposes are, that they act in a way that is unique to the Spirit and responsive to who they are with. This week I was uh, walking our kids to school on one of, those ra one of the rainy days. And as we were walking to school, I, I, I noticed that there were, you know, the kids in their normal raincoats and some kids that were carrying their umbrellas. And there were two kids wearing rain ponchos. And this one, like, took me back to my childhood wearing one of these goldie, these goodies right here. And I don't know about your family, but my family were rain poncho people. Uh, and I think the reasons why we were rain poncho people, well, there were two reasons. One is they were cheap. 
and the other is they were super practical, okay? It didn't matter whose poncho you grabbed, they fit, okay? You could grab moms, you could grab dads, you could grab your sisters, they fit. It didn't matter what you were wearing underneath. You could be wearing a t-shirt, a heavy sweater, a winter coat if that's what you wanted, or your backpack going to school, the poncho fit right over top. There's no individuality to a rain poncho. Uh, you got the yellow one or the brown one, and maybe there was a green one out there. I don't remember, but that was about what we had. There's no sense of style or flair, well, except for the fact that you're a poncho person and everybody in a world of non-poncho people, maybe, okay? It, but there's just something about a poncho that defines for me one size fits all. I wonder if some of us in our approach to God have a poncho way of thinking, where how we think about who God is and how God relates to us and how we're supposed to relate to God is sort of like a one-size-fits-all thing. That how I relate to God and how God relates to me should be exactly the same as the person sitting beside me. But what we just talked about in terms of the Holy Spirit having, uh, being a person and having its own, their own personality tells us that this isn't true. Rather, the Holy Spirit invests in us as individuals with the hope that we reach our potential as participants in God's life and God's mission. See, the Spirit meets us where we are at and speaks to us in ways that we can understand. The Spirit weeps for us and weeps with us. And I believe the Spirit celebrates with us as well, too. The Spirit helps us to grow more and more like Jesus and shedding old habits and patterns that are not Christ-like. The Spirit prays for us. We read that passage. The Spirit prays for us in those moments when we aren't sure what to pray about, when life is just hard and when we aren't even sure that prayer is worth, you know, it's worth praying. The Spirit's there praying on our behalf. And the Spirit gives us good gifts, gives us skills and abilities so that we can be a part of what it is that God is doing. See, the Spirit is for us, and the Spirit is working with us as individuals in the process is expressing their personality and their desire to see us succeed as followers of Jesus. Now, as we wrap up our time this morning, I want to acknowledge that this focus on the Holy Spirit, it's a bit of a growing edge for me. It really is. It's been a growing edge for a, for a few years as I woke up one day to realizing that I, I grew up in a church tradition that didn't really emphasize the Holy Spirit much. Some of us have grown up in church traditions that have a lot of experience with the Holy Spirit. You, we've ta- you've talked about it. You are comfortable experiencing things that I can tell you in my church background, we would intellectually say, yes. Experientially, we'd say, I don't know what to do with that. And so that might be some of us as well here today, too. And if you're somebody who has a wealth of experience with the Holy Spirit, we need you. We need you. One of the things that I'm learning about the Holy Spirit is that we have more experience with the Holy Spirit than we think we do. In fact, for somebody like me, you know, growing up, we just said God did everything, and that wasn't wrong. But a lot of those things that we attributed to God really were the Spirit at work in our lives, because the Spirit's been at work in our lives since before we knew about the things of God. The Spirit helped us say, become aware of those things. The Spirit has helped us say yes to following Jesus, and the Spirit has helped us take steps of faith and to grow in what it means to follow Jesus. The Spirit's been a part of our journey even before we were aware that the Holy Spirit was anything, anyone. I shouldn't say anything. I just said that, right? 
And so my hope is that in us learning about the Holy Spirit just a little bit is that we are growing in our understanding of how God is at work in our lives and we are gaining new language and, and questions to be able to explore how God is showing up in our stories and how God is showing up in our circumstances. And we're going to continue this into our, our Q&A that's happening next week and the, we'll work through those questions that you submitted next week. We're looking forward to doing that. Uh, but certainly this is a conversation. This is something that we'll continue to explore or just as, as, as a church, we should just continually be including conversations and mentions of how the Spirit is at work in our lives whenever we talk about following Jesus. Please join me in prayer. Lord God, thank you so much for our time together this morning. Lord, we are, are grateful for the fact that, that you know us, that you love us, and Lord, that, that your Spirit has been at work in our lives long before we were even aware of you. Lord, thank you for the ways in which you uh, show us that consistently just how much you are for us and, Lord, how you have come to us in, in our moments of need, Lord. Lord, help us to grow a, a greater awareness of your presence in our stories. Lord, help us to become aware of how you are at work in our lives and in the lives of others. God, as we prepare to move on to the next part of our, our time together this morning, our, our picnic, we just ask, I just ask that you would bless uh, our times of conversation, Lord, that, that these would be moments where community becomes alive, not because we are really good at making conversation, Lord, but because we are experiencing your Spirit's presence in those moments. In your name we pray. Amen.